good, everybody? It's Izzy on the ones and twos. You're now listening to Old True Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Gio, Lanoop Eats. You're now rocking with Old True Podcast. What's good, everybody? It's Femi, and you're now listening to Old True Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Xavier, and this is Old True Podcast. Mm. Button users. <laughs> you peasants. <laughs> Which yeah, man. So Shaq. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Wait, is that like your real name? It's funny. Like we're we're whole brothers, and I don't know your full name. Sheku Ahmed Tarawali. Wow. Tell yeah. me more. Where are you from? Where? Uh, you know, where you originate? All that. My uh, my father is from Sierra Leone. Uh, my mother is also Sierra Leonean, but she's of Lebanese descent. So she was born in Sierra Leone, but uh, her parents are Lebanese. So that's where you get like the half Arab kind of connotations from, you know what I mean? So, yeah. First generation? First generation, man. My parents came here. My mom came in 87. My father came in 85. Yeah, so, yeah, man. Have you ever like talked to her about like did they have a game plan? Did they know what was good? You know what's crazy? Like the very first time I asked my parents how they got here was probably like a month and a half ago. It was like a month and a half ago. I asked my mom how she got here. And that's when I tweeted, I don't know if you saw it, but I was like, I don't think Americans understand how difficult it is for people to get here. Like we play the lottery for like six hundred million dollars. They play the lottery to have a chance to come to America. To play the lottery. To you know what I mean? Like that's how crazy that is and when you get the visa you don't get to go where you choose you get you can get sent to Colorado or it doesn't matter they just kind of put you on a plane so I mean my mother's story and my father's story definitely it's like a humbling thing so they did all the hard work bro there's no excuse for why we shouldn't work hard (laughs) I feel like that kind of leads into like my next question is do you think that knowing that kind of inspired you to I guess be as Hardworking as you are now. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, you know, I I mean, I got lucky in a lot of ways as well. So I had obviously a great mother. Um, you know, and all of my parents taught me different things, but at, at the end of the day, it was always like, you have to do better than what we came here to do. It's almost like they came here, built the foundation. And, um, you know, we're just kind of building the house on the foundation, you know what I mean? In that, in that kind of sense. So um, I got extremely lucky. I have some great family members, some great male influences that kind of helped me through the way. And yeah, I mean, 100%, bro. Like, I can't, when I get tired and get nervous or like, you know, I want to go to, you know, want to rest and I don't want to push myself, there's always like that moment that clicks now, especially now that I'm older. That's just like, nah, bro. Like, at this age, your dad was, you know, an immigrant, you know what I mean? Like, trying to figure it out, could barely speak the language, so. It's no excuse. It's no excuse for me. So, I wear that heavy. Where exactly did, I guess, your drive to become a designer come from? Um, so, I mean, I guess it starts, like, when I was young, when I was really young, I used to, my mother used to really, really dress me up. Um, you know, like, that was, like, her thing. So, like, you know how, like, you'll see, like, Instagram babies now that just be, like, super fly all the yeah. time and stuff like that. Like, I would have, if there was Instagram back then, I would have been one of those babies. Oh, like, if you look at one of my pictures, like, I was just flat out all the time. You're a lucky kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was flat out all the time. My mom didn't even use to buy clothes for herself. She used to, that was, like, what she did for fun. 
Uh, that's how my aunts used to like, you know, compete and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, yeah most of uh, But then as I got older, clothes started to get more expensive. You know, it's like, all right, you know, you can't really afford to just keep, you know, I can't buy the newest Jordans. I can't do all that. So what ended up happening was, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of stopped. But I had, I had clothes. I had to figure out ways to kind of implement and still be fashionable with the little things that I had. Um, so, you know, hand-me-downs from my cousins, you know, just, you know, just trying to figure out ways that I can still blend in and still be, I guess, fly. And then I got sent to London uh, to go to high school um, because I was acting up. My parents were going to send me to Sierra Leone. <laughs> But then, you know, my aunt intercepted it. And obviously, you know, when you're young and you're, you're in London, I mean, you're just, I mean, it, I mean it, that goes without saying. Like, you're, it's like, a, it's literally a fashion world, a fashion district, uh, like an epicenter of fashion. And that's where, like, my style started to refine itself. And I'm like, whoa, all right, cool. Like, you don't have to have expense. Like, this is when I found H&M before H&M was even in America. So I'm looking at, like, wait, this jacket looks expensive, but it's not expensive. And like, you can kind of mold your style. They had this thing called Primark as well. It's like, you could go there and buy cheap, fashionable things and just refine your style. So I would give half of it to my mother and then definitely the other half, like undisputed London for sure. That experience there was like, that, that, that's what, I mean, I got on Air Maxes, I got on Skeptics right now and a tracksuit bottoms. Like, you know, I, I dress like a Londoner for real, so. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's a skeptic, man. So. So, then I guess what will take you back off of that is just more where the inspiration for Swerve came from. First of all, what is Swerve? Let me. Um, it's actually Swavor. So, um, I was a community college student. Um, so so I'll I'll give you guys I'll give you a, a brief breakdown. Um, when I came back from London, I had. I was I was a hustler in London. I, I used to like sell. Uh, I don't know anything that I could get my hands on. I used to sell. So I used to sell like you know I used to sell snacks in school because you know everybody wanted American snacks because the Skittles here taste different than there. That's everywhere though. Yeah. So like all the food, t- but they wanted that. Like I came to school one day and they wanted that. So like I at, made my mom bring a whole bunch of. I was selling them to my teachers. So I always like when I came back, I had a lot like a substantial amount of money for a. 16 17 year old kid you know what i mean um and i wanted to do something with it so when i was at a, i was at a community college i was at montgomery uh college in rockville and you know we used to we used to do little things like we used to have like play blackjack and stuff like that and then one day we got in trouble we got caught and i was like well i can't keep doing this like you know gambling like you know pressing you know like these illegal games forever you know i can't keep doing that um and one of my homies is just like, yo, you should start a clothing brand. And we started it. Um, I was waiting for a pair of LeBrons one day, and there was a guy that came. There was a guy that was opening up his screen print shop in the mall. This is back when, like, the sneaker craze was crazy. And, like, the malls used to let the kids into the, the mall to wait for, in line and for a locker. Like, that was then, like, the, the height of the sneaker culture. So I walk into this guy's shop, and he's just like, yeah, I'll make you, like, 36 shirts for $200. And I, and I remember looking, like, he said, like, $300. And I remember looking at him and doing the math in my head. I was like, I was like, is that easy to make shirts? Like, you can do that? Like, he's like, yeah, you got a logo? I'm just looking at this guy. Like, I, he's thinking that I, I'm interested. But in my mind, I'm, my mind's blown. I'm like, 
you can just make clothes like you could just like you could just do it like he's like yeah 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 i just like because i knew that i wasn't going to get the pair of lebrons that day so like you you standing in line it's like 50 it's like 50 people in front of you and i'm looking across the aisle this guy's opening up his shop because it's like early in the morning so i walked over there just to be curious and it was just like a mind-blowing thing so uh created the logo um it was at, th at that point the name of it was Swaver. And in my mind, I was like, I don't care what this is. I'm getting these shirts for $10. I'm going to sell them for 25 And that's it. Like, we're just going to make money off of this. And um, I just kind of went from there. And it just, I was selling them out of my locker. And, you know, before you know it, you know, I just, I just kind of built like a natural, organic kind of base starting at the community college. So, you know, I started with $191.78. That was the... You know, that, that was the starting point. I have no design experience. I've never taken a design class. Learn everything on YouTube. And that's one thing that I was gonna mention more so. Um, I feel like people don't realize how easy things are in this new generation of, I guess, like information. Right. Like being able to, like the way is like, I feel like the, the hardest step for most people is starting. Just like, you know, it's yeah. like everyone thinks of like, oh, I want to do a podcast or oh i want to be a designer or, i want to do this that, and the third yeah. but it's like to start i know i remember when i started this whole podcast thing um i went on twitter one day and i was just kind of like yo i really want to you know, do a podcast and someone's just like do it yeah and then i kind of just sat there i was like fuck it let me yeah, try yeah, yeah. most of youtube certain things and i feel like i guess it's like as africans yeah it's like more so it's just kind of like foreigners yeah. in a sense it's kind of like where do you get that support yeah. from when you do try to do like ventures that are untapped in the African community yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know you can't go and tell your dad oh yeah I'm trying to... Let me, I'm about to do fashion at all like, <laughs> how at did all. that work for you um yeah I'm gonna keep it real I mean my parents are 100% down now um but at the time it wasn't really realistic you know I was I remember for three years straight I didn't go outside I went to work um, I was working as a shoe salesman. I came home, I studied, and I was just in my basement sketching, learning how to sketch, learning everything for three years straight. I didn't go outside at all. None of my friends saw me. Like I didn't go to no parties and do anything. And my parents were just kind of nervous. They were scared. Like, what is this? Like, like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't it. Sheku, what did you do? Like, you know, it was just, you know, it's just like, you know, it's very difficult to pitch that. But I knew that I had to prove to them that. I could do it all, I could do everything. And that's where, you know, a lot of my drive came from in the beginning. It was like, all right, I know my parents don't support this, but I have to prove to them and to prove to myself that I can get good grades, still graduate college, be an entrepreneur, be a good brother, be a good son. Like it was a challenge to myself. And you know, just like anything in life, I think, you know, after a while, you know, if you just keep showing progress and you keep showing this, you're just not going to quit. So, you know, they're either going to have to unlove you for loving fashion, right? <laughs> they're going to have to unlove you or they're just going to have to give in. And, I, and I've always, I, I cleared the board when it came to my parents. I, got, I moved out at the time I said I was going to move out. I graduated when I said I was going to graduate. Um, you know, I've never been, you know, I haven't gotten in any trouble since I came back. You know, like, I didn't do anything that, you know, would would warrant, you know, worry. You know, I got out, I got a Fortune 500 job. I, you know, I did everything with protocol. So 
you know, obviously, you know, being African is, is it's a difficult thing, and I think it's something that, that people need to talk about more. Um, but I think that's what our generation is going to do. You know, like maybe, okay, our parents couldn't be artists, maybe if they were artists, and maybe we got pushed into that lane of, you know, oh, you know, you got to be a doctor or a lawyer. But then when we have kids, we're first-generation African-Americans. We don't really have an excuse. We're the most intelligent group of people in America right now, according to statistics. So, I mean, you know, there's no excuse for our kids not to be able to venture out, you know. So our parents built the foundation, and you know, I can't really blame them for being that paranoid. Uh, but, you know, this art world, is, it's, it's not guaranteed. So, you know, they want the best for you, so, you know. I understand it, but you know they need to. They definitely need to let up a little bit <laughs> for sure. I mean, Africans like, don't. Africans don't see like it, they, they don't. They want to see like the surefire. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One out of one out of like a thousand, you know, art majors and or designers oh, 100%. will make it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I think that percentage is even off. I think it's even lower than. It's that. probably lower than that. But then it's like you know. If you go to pharmacy school and you graduate, yeah. it's not going to be hard for you to find a job. No, it's, it's like not. It's, but it's like, I it's guess a, it's like yeah. the balance between, I feel like Africans, in their mind, it's like, it's, it's kind of like a straight line. Right. It's, and it's more so from back home. It's yeah. like, okay, I know that when I was back home, a lot of the issues I had was because I didn't have money. Right. If I have money now, I'd probably be a lot happier than I was right. with my parents and 100%. their parents and stuff like that. Right, right. But I feel like in America with money you start realizing for every problem that disappears a new one pops up oh 100 so it's like 100%. How, do you, how, do, how do you deal with it because i know it's like i guess you know you're working now yeah you you before before your parents really i guess gave in and they started yeah. leaving like how did you deal with that mentally because that had to do something to you yeah of course so um and you're african so yeah like, do you know the you know the metro system yeah so every day to get to Towson, I didn't have a car, I didn't have a license, and I didn't have, and I wasn't living on campus. I used to have to get on the, the train at New Carrollton, right, go to Penn Station, which is like an hour, from Penn Station, take the bus to Towson, the 11 bus to Towson, I think it's like the 51 now, the 11 bus to Towson, go to school, get on the bus back, which is another 30 minutes, take the train all the way to D.C., from D.C., no, from D.C., go to White Flint, because that's where I worked. I worked at Lord & Taylor and White Flint Mall. Work, then come back, take the red line to Metro Center, Metro Center to New Carrollton, and that's, then I would go home. So my day would start at 7 o'clock, and it wouldn't end until 12. And then I would have to study and work on the clothes. So after doing that for two years straight, every single day for two years straight, my parents, like after a while... Like, it's like, it's like, oh, man, this, this boy, <laughs> this, I'll never forget, like, the moment where I feel like my dad uh, gave in. Uh, uh, he was, I remember it was like a Sunday or something, and, I, and like, we were supposed to go to church or something like that. And, like, everybody was looking for me in the house. Everybody was like, yo, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? We didn't see you come in. And then... Uh, like, they, they called me, and I was already at work. And it was, like, 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. I was already at work. So at that moment, you know, I felt like, it, you know, I mean, it, it's determination. Like I said, you have to first and foremost want to do it for yourself. Um, like, do you really want to do this? Like, are you really willing to push the boundaries of your body, your relationships, your creativity, your mind, your mental stability? Like, this, this stuff is going to test you. It's not like...
because you're talented, it's just going to fall in your lap. You know, you really have to push the boundaries of what you feel you can do. Um, I never in a million years thought that I would even graduate college, bro. Like, that that's how, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how crazy all of this is. So from the moment I walked across the stage, I just looked at it. Everything else is like, oh, this is a bonus. Like, I wasn't expected to do all this. So um, my drive comes from, first of all, myself. I wanted this for myself. And then all the hours and energy that I put into it, it's like, I can't give up now. Like, what was all that for? Like, I can't give up on the 21-year-old kid that gave up three years of partying. Like, that, that guy, that guy would look at me crazy if I, if I said that I was going to quit now. You know what I mean? So, you, you know, like, you just can't, you know. Once you start improving the Rolodex of your work ethic, like, there's, there's, there's no way you can stop. There's just no way. It's you not either. Do you have any regrets? A hundred percent. Oh, man. I, like, business-wise or? All of it. Oh yeah, 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 like, man. You know, I got a lot of regrets. Partying, do you regret not? I regret, I regret. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say that I don't regret. I regret the partying per se, because I did have fun. I don't want to like make it seem like I didn't have any fun. Had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I got a lot of great memories. Um, I would say one of my regrets is I was so focused on thinking in the future, thinking to where I got now, that I missed a lot of things in between that. So I missed a lot of friends' birthdays. I missed, um, I missed going away parties. I missed like, you know, like, you know, there's memories that your friends will talk about now. Like, oh yeah, son, you remember when we, when we went here? When, and I, I'm not there, like I can't relate to those. I'm not in, I'm not in a lot of those pictures. You know what I'm saying? That those those things really suck. But you know, at the end of the day, like um, I always felt like I had a bigger purpose than just being like alive. Like just living was just not enough for me. Even as a kid, I always like I, I felt like I had a greater purpose. So I was always in pursuit of that, and that that's what kind of balanced me out. So I wouldn't say that I have any regrets, but there's some things that I wish, like, I'm like, damn, I wish I, I wish I could have been at that party. You know, I wish I could have been at that dinner. I wish I could have, you know, little things like that, you know, that kind of. Business-wise, for sure. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes, bro. Like, again, I didn't have any, um, had no mentor. I had no, nobody in this. Like, I just, I hopped in. I had a graphic designer that was working with us at the time. Um, and that was it. It was just him, me. And it was just like the audacity of just two guys that was just gonna, we were just gonna break fashion. Like what? It's crazy. Like can't even. Like I, I wish. Like you know what I mean? Like we started off with two t-shirts, and we just sell them to our friends, and then we got lucky a couple times over. Um, but business-wise, maybe maybe not being as ambitious at first, maybe monetizing, slowing down a little bit. You know what I mean? Like understanding what the collections mean to people before you just jump in and throw something else out. I think that's something that I learned very well. Um, I used to go from collection to collection, like, all right, spring's done, fall's done, boom. And then completely switch flows, but like, nah, like some of my audience was still in fall. They were still building on that and they were okay with building on that. And I probably should have stayed there for a little longer, but I was ambitious, man. I wanted to switch flows and I wanted to be an artist. So 
you know that that now looking back on it it's like that was an advantage but at the time i probably should have monetized things more yeah for sure you mentioned your friends yeah um, how you were selling to them when you first started yeah um did you ever feel like you didn't get the support that you thought you deserved early on and even now you want to know the truth bro i'm gonna keep it real my friends were always down my friends were always down like always like from the very time because like i said when i came back from london i i had i was i was a young guy with like like a ridiculous not i wouldn't say a ridiculous amount of money or like anything but i had a presence about what we were doing like like i wasn't a gambler like i didn't play 21 but i ran the tables so i already had like a presence so when i when i came through and i was like yeah this is what i'm gonna do now everybody was like oh word all right cool then this is what we're gonna do now so i always had support man I, like i don't, i'm never one of those guys that's like man i made it and like no, all these people doubted me yeah there was a lot of people that doubted me but i also had a lot of support I had a lot of help I had a lot of friends that were you know like my friend will um he's actually theta kappa spring 18 ace it's like one of my greatest friends of all time. Like one of my best friends. He was he was around. I knew him right before I even started the brand. So we're like ten years in as friends. Like we used to drive around. We used to drive the UMD. Um, he had like this really really. It was like a we called it the Rabbit. I don't know what it's called, but it was like this, <laughs> like this white car was broke down. We used to pull up the UMD and just sell the try to sell the shirts outside of stamp out of out of his out of his car. So like. You know, just having those friends, man, like, yeah, man, my friends always support me and they support me now. I mean, I never ask anybody to buy anything. I just ask them to spread the wave. You know, I'll never ask anyone for their money because I understand, like, you know, it's it's difficult. Like, you know, every, every I don't know everybody's situation, so. But to tweet it, to post it on your Instagram, that's free, bro. Like, you can't do that for me, bro, then you're just not. You're, you're, you're not, you don't bang with me at all. Like, you can't even just post it on your IG story, bro, like. Come on, son. Like, I'm not asking you to buy it. Just post it so somebody else can see it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus. But, um, nah, I mean, I, I get a lot of support, bro. I can't. I, I'll never. I'll never be that guy. Uh, as a member of uh, Phi Beta Sigma. Yeah. Um, the greatest. The <laughs> greatest. Um, tell me about how that's influenced, I guess, marketing or, you know, some of the you have yeah. you think you know they owed you anything just tell me more about how being part of a impact the business has influenced you as a creator yeah as a businessman so um so I would say there was a time where I was in a creative like I was in a creative standstill and I was like I couldn't it wasn't like I did. I did like this custom collaborative sneaker with Adidas, and I remember I dropped it. Yeah, and I remember I dropped that, and I was like, I thought that I like I was like, yo, I made it. And I was like, oh, I did it. And all the blogs went crazy about it, and I was like, yo, I'm I'm the man. And it just didn't feel like I had won for real. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, there was no follow up to it. So, in that space, I was really trying to figure myself out creatively and. Uh, uh, I, was, I started designing, so like one day I, I was just in my house and I was like, yo, I, 
somebody was like, oh yeah, like I got a girl now, my jersey's retired. It's like, oh, my jersey's retired. And I was like, yo, we should just make jerseys, bro. So I like, I went home, I designed this uh, Theta Omicron Sigma jersey and I put all the line names on the back. I sent it to my, op- my pro fights and they went crazy. And then I sent it into the Maryland Sigma chat and everybody went crazy. And I was just, before you know it, I started designing for all the chapters in Maryland and then they spread it and I started designing for other Greek organizations. And at one homecoming, I designed every single fraternity at Towson University. Every single one, their old heads, everybody. Like I did everybody. So yeah, um, it took maybe three, it took from, it took a month. In a month I had just, I had, it was like a wave, it was like an avalanche. Like I. I think I did something for Eastside as well. Like it was just a wave. Like just, I just came out of nowhere with it. And I knew what would end up happening was, um, you know, people don't, aren't gonna wear Nelia forever, but I know that if they know that Sheck did it, then moving forward, I can transition them into Swayver fans easily. Because if it's like, okay, well, you've already worn my product. You've already said that you love what I do, but this is what I really do. This is what you can take into your regular life. Um, so Sigma, Sigma means everything to me. Like I'm not as Greeky as I used to be. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not as Greeky as I used to be, but I mean, not, not for a second do I like not think about the values of the, of the you know, not for a second. Like not, there's not a, you know, that fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma means everything to me, like everything to me. And the brothers that I met throughout this entire time since I crossed Fall 14, they mean everything to me. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if people say that enough or people mean it enough because it's deeper than strolls and parties. But nah, man. Like, yeah, it means everything to me. They helped. They helped rejuvenate. They, you know what I mean. They put it back in me. They put the lightning back in me. The Greek life put the lightning back in me to be like, okay, now I know what people want. This is okay. Like, all right, cool. Because I lost my way for a bit. Fashion was in a weird place at at, at one point. So, yeah, man. Came back with the slaps. <laughs> I'm just saying, without Sigma, we wouldn't be having this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, that's, that's man. The funny part. We wouldn't have this have this conversation. It wouldn't be a thing at all. Yeah. I, I tend to think about my place in Sigma sometimes, or Greek life in general. Yeah. I feel like Greek life is in a very weird state right now. Of course. It's like nobody wants to be on GS3. They killed it. They killed. They no, they killed. 100%. They killed Greek life single handedly. Hmm. They crushed. They crushed the nature of Greek life single-handedly. It's to the point where it's like, as a, it's like, it's like, be a neo, but don't get caught being a neo. It's like, don't don't get caught making mistakes. You can't even. You can't even be. Like you can't even really like. You can't do anything. Do anything. Yeah, like no, you, you really can't do anything. Like you. Sad, like it, I remember when I first crossed, it was like a funny thing. It was like ha ha ha. But then it's like as I matured in like I guess this Greek state of mind, it was just it started making me realize it's like, wow, people are going to act like they're too cool for this. Yeah. People are going to want to get these letters so they can use their letters to like be like I am act like they're too me. cool. I'm I'm too, I am I am who I am and I'm. I am just better. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Even these Greeks that are on GS3, I'm better than you. Yeah. And it's created such a, a, a very false reality yeah. to the point where it's almost as if we're non-existent now. Yeah, and it shifted the, the, the it shifted perception of what things were. 
Like, what was it? I can remember. I remember when I was like, I can, I can distinctively remember like a time where like, if a homeless person was in the rain and a Sigma had a Sigma like umbrella and gave it to the homeless person, it was like Phi Beta, someone from Phi Beta Sigma just gave this man an umbrella to, to be dry in the rain. See what I mean? That was like a good thing. Like, I just gave this man my umbrella. I gave this woman my jacket because she was cold. But now, like, you're going to see somebody in the rain and be like, nah, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give this person my umbrella. But it's like, that's what our founders probably would have done. And they would have wanted everybody to know that I just gave this homeless man my umbrella. And here's Phi Beta Sigma shielding. Like, you see what I mean? Perspective just completely changed with social media. And I, man, I blame GS34 for a lot of it, man. Like, I understand, you know, it's all fun and games and it's jokes, but at what point is it no longer a joke? Like, this isn't funny anymore. The, the orgs are, like, the presence of what these organizations mean now. Like, you know, even bringing it down to something really minuscule, like, even the parties, like, people don't even want to have fun. People are like, because- Nobody wants to go on camera. Nobody wants to get caught and get put on GS3. 100%. So. Like, and, and it's crazy. It's like, I can say a lot of the mistakes that I made in this whole Greek life is the reason why I am who I am now. Yeah. And because I had the space to make those mistakes. Right. The space to, yeah. to grow and understand, like, okay. And when Can't I made those that. mistakes, it was in the confidence, like, I guess, confined in Maryland. Yeah. Confined in my chapter. Yeah. So it made a difference compared to, I know people who got caught well, for instance, uh, my line brother, John, he got caught. Um, he gave his girlfriend at the time his book bag, mm-hmm. my basic book bag, so he can go stroll real quick and come back. And in a matter of 15 seconds, someone took a picture, sent his GS3. Now his girlfriend's on GS3. They had a whole big-ass argument about it. Since when? When did that happen? Uh, this happened, uh, I think this was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, time. I got blocked from GS3. And I honestly, it's it's to the point where it's like I I think I got blocked on Twitter because I'm like, I yeah. mentioned I'm just kind of like like do y'all gain like, like is this something that you guys enjoy at this point? Like bro, like, I, and it's not just them either. It's a uh, pyramid of diamonds. Uh, there's a lot of social media. But it's all it's all just, fake, man. It's fugazi, man. These guys, you know, a lot of these guys wanted to be gang members and they couldn't do it. So then they get in these orgs and they completely lose the message, completely lose the plot, and, and it's. It is what it is, man. I hope, you know, I hope by the time, I hope something happens that rejuvenates it. I think somebody that is, somebody has to, somebody has to make it in the light. So in the past, I think, you know, you're playing, we're now playing in a different, in a different sphere. We're playing in a different ball game. Like this ball game is different. Social media is like a totally different world. Somebody that is a Sigma needs to be successful in this world that is digi. Like this digi world, some alpha needs to be extremely successful in this world and be flat out. Like I'm alpha and I'm lit and like I'm alpha and I'm this, 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 and this. Somebody has to be flat out. Like people can still talk about Martin Luther King. People can still talk about Emmett Smith and all these people. Bill Clinton, like that's all in the past. Like we, like somebody new has to come through. And then when they get there, they can't. 
selected. Yeah, when they get there, they can't just be like, oh, yeah, like, that's something I did in college. No, bro, this is something I, I still do community service on Sundays, bro. Five you know what I mean? Like, they still have to represent. Until that happens, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to, to tell anybody. Like, yeah, but I mean, I feel like it's, like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, how do you find that balance in this, in this again? Like, it, this is brand new to a lot of us. Yeah, how man. Social, like, this is bigger than just Greek life, but just in general, like, understanding, like, what is too much, what is too little. Yeah. Um, knowing, like, because it's like, now, nowadays, it's just, it's got to a point where it's kind of like, there's like 18 moral compasses, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm too Greeky, but then the other person mm. feel like he's not Greek enough. Enough, yeah. Like, in, in in any in any realm of the social media era, man, this is something that I've learned. Um, I mean, you 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 also have to be able to decipher what's real and what's not. A lot of this stuff is fake, and a lot of these things that you're seeing on socials. I'll put it like this, right? There's algorithms for everything in life. There's algorithms for making computers. There's algorithms for making these plastic bottles, for making these keys. Why do people think that there's not an algorithm that's toying with people's emotions? Like, pe certain people get upset when certain things happen. There are bots. Like, if you go straight through to find who's retweeting these things, it'll be like a picture of a, a Powerpuff girl. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's a bot. Like, it's legitimately a bot that is retweeting things to make a certain demographic of people upset and it happens bro thank you for listening to o true podcast we'll be back with part two on april 1st at 3 p.m paired with the regular scheduled podcast as well so be on the lookout for that other than that god bless